This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome to Talking Flutes with me, Claire Southworth, and I'm in Hove on the Sussex coast. And my partner in crime, Jean-Paul Wright, who's in Seven Oaks in Kent, and we're talking on Zoom. Hello, Jean-Paul. Hello, Claire. How are you this morning? I'm good, although it's very, very damp and very windy. Uh, ditto here for a change. And, you know, this must be the first time we've, we've, first time we've spoken and... It's wet down by the seaside. Yes, it is. We're getting storm after storm at the moment, but then it's the time of year. And uh, thank you for the long introduction, because I was slurping on coffee at the same time, as you could probably see. (laughs) I've just finished mine, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, listen, everyone, it's it's November. It is. And uh, in America, it's nearly time for Thanksgiving. Now, for those of you not familiar with Thanksgiving... Uh, maybe I should say what it is. It's an annual national holiday celebrated in America every year on the fourth Thursday in November. And it traditionally celebrates the harvest and other blessings of the past year. And many people use it as a day to reflect on positive things in life and spend time with families. So with that in mind, today's podcast is in the spirit of Thanksgiving. And John Paul and I are going to talk about the people and events that we're thankful for in helping us achieve. So should I kick off, John Paul? Yeah, you go for it. So when I was 11, my parents wanted me to take up the piano again, because I'd started with the piano by the age of six, but it didn't go well. Um, and I said, anything but piano. And um, and they were saying, well, what, which instrument? And it was sort of like the next day I was walking down our road and I heard a flute and I had not heard a flute before, but I just suddenly thought, that's my instrument. So I'm really thankful because it could have been a trombone or it could have been a double bass or I could quite as easily have been influenced if I'd seen a golf competition. Now, that would have been a very different outcome. So whoever that flute player was, I'm truly thankful. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you want my, my uh, historical, my first one, shall I? Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm thankful to Mr. Jones at my school. Now, Mr. Jones uh, asked at the end of the lesson, we'd just gone to, and in those days it was big school, so it was third year. So that equates to probably year seven, year eight, because we had primary school, middle school, and then big school. Anyway, it it was first day there, and I had maths. And I was getting into a bit of a... There was a bit of an issue between me and another guy, and we'd, we'd only just met, and there was a bit of an issue. So he called us, the bell went, and everybody disappeared off, and we had music next. But he spoke to us and gave us a bit of a hard time about behaving in class and expected more from people that went to that school. And he said if we, if we carried on again, we would get detention and letters would get sent home to parents. So we were late for our first music lesson. So we walked... Both of us walked in. He actually ended up, Tim became the, my best mate, but um, that's another story. 
Um, but we w- walked into the music room, and in those days, the music rooms were full of musical instruments, and all the lessons were free, and there were music teachers, peripatetic music teachers coming in, and you had a choice. You could play an instrument or not. And we went to the cupboard because the cupboard was open and my music teacher, Mr. Bullen, said, right, you're late, why are you late? And we told him and we he had a wry smile. He said, oh, we've got two here, haven't we? And he said, go and choose an instrument. Well, in the cupboard was three things. That was all that was left. And it was quite funny because there was two battered tubers being humped around by these two little boys and there was a trombone and people making really weird noises, a couple of screeching violins. And in the cupboard was this black thing that I later learnt was an oboe, a rather dirty looking flute and some battered drumsticks. Anyway, Tim went, he, he chose the drumsticks because he, he, he jumped straight in and thought, I want to be a drummer. And it was between this black thing and this metal thing. So I ended up picking up the flute. So I'm actually thankful for Mr. Jones for giving me a detention because if I'd gone in, I may have been trying to play the tuba or the trombone or clarinet or even, God forbid. Absolutely. So like me, you could have gone on a completely different journey. Yes. So actually being being naughty actually set me up from the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when I was was about 13... um, a very good friend of our family came by with a new girlfriend and the new girlfriend happened to be a flutist and she'd just left the Manchester College of Music and she started me on my proper fluting journey and her name is Vivian Lynn, fabulous teacher and it was thanks to her that I fell in love with flute playing. So there again is so, so much luck is involved to get to the right teacher that gets you enthused and gets you passionate about whatever it is you, you want to do. Oh, okay. Well, you're leading me along this, this journey, aren't you? Uh, okay, my first teacher, Mr. Jim Hibbert, who lived in Hitchin in Hertfordshire. Yes. Hertfordshire. Yeah. Yes. And he was actually a clarinet player, but he'd come from the uh, Royal Air Force. He left the Royal Air Force and was he conducted the East Beds yeah, youth uh, concert band and then the Bevshire County Concert Symphonic Band. And he was my first teacher. But the thing was, he actually understood flute playing. Because it was a, it'd been a, he's a multi, multi-instrumentalist, he wasn't just a clarinet player. So when he taught me the flute, he taught me properly. Everything from the hand positioning to you know how I should stand very differently from how I saw him when he taught clarinets. And... Seeing how multi-instrumentalists or clarinet specialists teach flute now, I am very grateful that he taught me the basics that set me up for my later life moving on to other teachers. So, Mr. Jim Hibbert, I will give you a shout out. So, moving on, when I was, um, well, actually, you know, between uh, taking up flute seriously and then getting into college, I was so lucky to have classes with so many wonderful teachers Mm. So as a student, uh, Jeffrey Gilbert, William Bennett, Peter Lucas Graf, Nicolay, Marion, Galway, Baker, oh, Grandpal. Oh, that's a, that's a who's who. That's a who's who of flute yeah. playing. It goes on and on and on. But I think meeting Jeffrey Gilbert and learning with him sort of created a transformation, maybe of my approach to flute playing and flute thinking. And looking back, I realise now that that was life-changing. 
he was an absolute gentleman. I had um, clear insight into students playing abilities and their and their faults, if you like. So he would say, you know, he could see that the problem is X and their solution is Y. He was very, very clear, very decisive, but he was always so encouraging and supportive, never critical in an abusive way, always constructive and positive. So an absolutely wonderful, wonderful man. Did you ever meet him? Did you ever have lessons with him? No, sadly I didn't. But I've heard so much and read so much about the, the two guys, John Francis and Jeffrey Gilbert, around at that time and how they sort of transformed not only the British flute playing, but the way of thinking. And there's so many players that the influence has sort of is, has gone on, hasn't it? Yes, it certainly has. Yeah. No, sadly I, I, I didn't. So my no. my major one, I suppose the one that took me from being an arrogant flute player who thought he could play everything, was Jim Dower, the wonderful James Dower. I always remember, uh, you know this story, I went into my first consultation with James in London and he said, what are you going to play? And I said, the Ebert, first movement of the Ebert Concerto. And his partner was a uh, pianist, so we played it. And he, he was sat in the chair and there was nothing. And he, he said at the end, how do you think that went? I said, well, went okay, didn't it? He said, if I was walking down a street and I heard you playing like that over the other side, I wouldn't cross over to see who you were. He said, oops. He said, if you're going to study, Ouch. yeah, he said, if you're going to study with me, you'll know that technique is one thing, but playing fast is another thing. He said, now I'll play the middle movement. I went, what? He said, now I'll play the middle movement and make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And I think that was the first time when somebody had actually said that music is not just a note, music is about an emotion. And I'd played in orchestra, uh, sort of youth orchestras and symphonic bands, but I was, it made me realise I was only ever playing the note, the dot, the blob on the page. And Jim was the first one to make me realise that each blob created an emotion. And within that is multi, is all the different layers. So Jim Dower, bless him, he died very young. But I credit him with not only opening my eyes to the beauty of music, but also confirming that I can never play Bach and Mozart properly. <laughs> yes, it's, it's uh, interesting you mention Jim Dower because my first experience of um, a flute course was the Canterbury Flute Course, the International Summer School. And the, there were two outstanding players as students on that course, Jim Dower and Colin Fleming. Oh, good grief. And so my memory, my first memory was of hearing these two and thinking what incredible players they were. So I can also say I'm very thankful to them because they fired my enthusiasm and and that sort of leads me on to my next story because it's it's also connected to the the international summer school, and it's um, to do with Whip William Bennett, and he loaned me his Almeida flute. Now I was about to go to America for the uh, National Flute Association's Yardis competition, and during the flute course was the three weeks before the NFA, and Whip decided. I needed something better in terms of my flute. And so one afternoon, he, he shouted for me, 
and said, um, you know, come here, we've got some work to do. And he brought along his old battered briefcase. Those of you that know Wib know he has this, this big brown briefcase. <laughs> yes. And it's full of flutes and parts of flutes. And he just said, pick out the flute cases, put some flutes together and play, and I won't look. I thought, what's where's this going? I didn't know what, what this was about. So I just thought it was an odd flute lesson. So I put flutes together and I played for quite a long time and he was listening with his eyes closed. And then suddenly he said, that's the one. And it was the Almeida. So I went to the States, I won the competition and with Wibbs Almeida flute. Obviously, luckily we both played open G sharp because my very first flute I bought from him. I'm so grateful for that opportunity that he knew that I needed a better instrument and he was willing to let me play through his flutes and pick one that worked. So, fantastic. Okay, well, on the similar theme of an instrument, I am thankful to my parents who, we'll, we'll talk about first flutes another later on, but who bought me a piccolo because I made the point that I'd like to have a piccolo. And, you know, in those days, buying an instrument was a big investment to a family. And I think they'd, they'd gone to a, or they'd found this thing that looked like a piccolo and they purchased it. And I think it was a secondhand shop or a secondhand music shop or something. And they bought it home and I was sort of totally transfixed with this little sort of evil twig, this little thing. And I would play on it and then I decided to take it to the East Bedfordshire County Symphonic Band Rehearsal. And as soon as I started playing it, realised that the C didn't sound like a C, the D didn't sound like a D. In fact, the whole instrument was completely out of tune in my ears, my young ears, compared to what we were playing. So it had to go away. Later in life, a a friend of mine called uh, Bob Parker, who's had a wonderful, wonderful ear, and I was t- showing him the piccolo and started playing it. And he said, do you know the problem you've got here is this is a D-flat piccolo. And at that time, a lot of, I was playing a lot of old scores and the flute parts were in D-flat and the piccolo parts were in D-flat. So this piccolo, I no longer had to take it up a tone and then move it up one, uh, one tone and then change the key signature. I then just got this piccolo out and it played in tune. So this one piccolo that my parents got from a junk shop, it was completely useless at that time. But in, later on in life, it was a lifesaver because m- moving it up a, a full tone and then changing the key signature just did me, did me brain in. So, yeah, thank you to my parents for buying me a D-flat piccolo. Wonderful. Now, I'm going to thank the uh, Royal Northern College of Music um, because they took a chance and given me a job only a few years after leaving. And then I then had a wonderful 17 years as professor of flute there, a fabulous time. And that during that time, I also started my first flute course. And the first one was in the Lake District at a place called Bassenthwaite Manor. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous old house Bath- right on the lake. Bassenthwaite. Bassenthwaite. You have to say yeah, it in the now, north. You have to say it in a northern accent. I know, I know. No, you don't. I come from the north, no. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so thankful to my sister, Annie, and a friend from college, a, a clarinetist called Sebastiano Cipolla, because they offered to cook all the food for the course. 
because we didn't have kitchen staff. There was a big kitchen, but no staff. So it was about 30 students in total, three meals a day, and it wouldn't have been possible without their offer of help. So they wow. bought all the food, cooked it all, and the food was fabulous. So that really helped me get started in terms of flute course courses. And a, one person who deserves a really big shout out is Jonathan Miles, mm -hmm. because he came each year to the flute course with a range of sheet music. And after we'd oh, I've forgotten how many, we, we were, were maybe into our third or fourth year. And he said to me, you should really run a course further south. And he really pushed me and he offered to do it for me. And as a result of that, Waldingham was born. Mm. And that became one of the most successful flute courses for over 20 years. And he took over all the administration of the course. All I had to do was sort of organize it, make timetables, teach and play. And, and so that was that was an incredible opportunity for me. The same moment in time during this late, late district course, Just Flutes had started their own publishing. And they offered to publish my first book because I had all these exercises I used on the flute course. And it, it was Rolf first, husband Rolf had said, you must put those exercises into a book, otherwise everyone will, will steal them. So it was because he, he persuaded me that I should do it. And those exercises became flute aerobics. Um, following on came light aerobics. And after that, sequentials. So just a case of being in the right place at the right time. So great many thanks to Jonathan. He's been a tremendous support over the years. And a huge thanks to Rolf. Because without his constant support, I would I'd never have taken up that opportunity. So it's been very fortuitous to be married to someone with a business mind and attitude. <laughs> yeah, Rolf certainly has that, doesn't he? Yep. Okay, on the same lines then, I'm going to say, give a shout out to the man, the flute playing legend that also smoked a pipe, Marcel Moyes, for convincing me that I could never be a world-class flute player. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Jim Dower told me to go and by some of the, the tone development through interpretation as my first study book and realizing that playing one note in various different shades and in very different various different volumes and going from one note to another, that doing things like that was ten times, a hundred times harder than playing anything fast. Keeping the note in pitch, keeping the note in tune, trying to work out where the centre of the sound was. And throughout my whole life, the tone development and sonorities, the sonority books by Marcel Moyes, are something that sort of give me the shivers every time I see them. Because it takes me back to when I was much younger and I struggled. It's like... Um, uh, eating something you didn't like years ago and then it being put in front of you now. You think, whoa. And I still have that today. You know, the sonority book comes up or tone development through interpretation. And that tone development, in, its, in essence, is just small passages. But he started me off that. And then when he took me to the sonority book, oh, my word. So, yeah, I will thank you. A uh, big thanks to Mr. Moyes for, again, convincing me that you know, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Oh. But we should also thank him for all those books, which are Absolutely. incredible. What a brilliant work. 
Yeah, I mean, what's, what, what's with the pipe on the front? You think they would have changed the front cover, Leduc Publishing, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. You you see it and you immediately know who he is. <laughs> you get a flavour for the type of man he was. I think it's great. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, we have to big a big shout out to him because, and obviously Byrne himself, just for taking the flute and sort of bringing it and giving it a different feel because... If, I suppose we can. Like most of us can trace our roots back to Moyes, can't we? C- certainly, if you were with we Jeffrey Gilbert, and obviously I was with Jim, and we all sort of filter back. Yeah, Wib and Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, Wib and Jimmy, of course, uh, both both studied with Moyes, and um, uh, along with Jeffrey, who changed, who who got us all playing on silver flutes using vibrato. They are the foundations from which we've all sort of grown and we and um, we have so much to thank them for and you know when you think of any of these flute courses where you come into contact with these wonderful people there's a lot to be thankful for so if I go back to Waldingham one of the main reasons it was so successful was because of the staff mm. we had Louise Matthew Helen Brew Gary Wolf and later Ian Clark with mm-hmm. Tim Carey's course companies and we had fabulous guest appearances from Wiesam, Michael Cox Mike Mower very special days and a very happy flute course. So wonderful times. But also you did something very different with your course, didn't you? You introduced the saxophone side, which sort of intermingled with flutes to actually show flute players that there is life beyond classical. Absolutely. And and for me, it was um, then someone else we should have a shout out to is when I actually met Andy Scott because this is so funny, because I used to teach him art of teaching at the Royal Northern College of Music. So I taught him how to play the flute, basically. Um, and he came to class He came to class every week without fail. And he sat in the front row. He was very young and very eager. And then many years later, he came to Waldingham to help run the saxophone course with Rob Buckland. And through him, I met his wife, Lauren, a harpist. And, and that began a wonderful few years of chamber music concerts and an added bonus was that they run the publishing company um, Astute Music and they asked me to be flute editor and to build up their flute music catalogue. So I'm so grateful for those chance meetings which then many years later result in fabulous opportunities. You've world premiered pieces that you've commissioned through Andy and the guy's a genius anyway. If people haven't heard of Andy Scott's music just stick him into Spotify or go onto Google and just download something he writes for the flute in a very very different way and it's beautiful and he's he's a composer he's so diverse i mean he he one day he's writing for big band next day he's writing for 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 flute or for saxophone or for harp i I mean it's so diverse so he's he's certainly someone people should go and listen to trying to think of other stories i think i have to mention baz bell Oh, blimey. Now, Baz Bell or yeah. Sebastian Bell. He used to live on Eel Point yes, Island, yes. in London, yep, yeah. in the middle of the Thames. Yes. Now, in the, year, in the year 2000, he was the head of Woodwind at the Royal Academy of Music. And at that time, I was commuting from London to Manchester one day a week, which is, was at least five and a half hours travel. And I did 10 hours teaching. So the most ridiculous working day, but I didn't have a choice. I could only offer one day by then because I had uh, a young baby, but there were so many students and the head of department 
just said, sort it out. There wasn't a lot of empathy at that particular time. I only wanted to do one day and do about six hours teaching, which was probably about right. So I mean, it was door to door, it was at least three hours, if not a bit longer. Um, so anyway, I was doing this stupid day, leaving before six in the morning and getting home about one o'clock the next morning. Then one day, just before Christmas, Baz rang me and asked if I would be interested in teaching at the Royal Academy. So I thought long and hard about it for about three seconds <laughs> and then said, yes, please. Thanks very much. Incredible opportunity. I'm now struggling so much with the travel to Manchester that this was incredible. And, and it was it was really hard to leave the Royal Northern College of Music because I'd been associated with it for 25 years. But the chance to teach at arguably the best conservatory in the world was just too much to turn down. And it proved to be a great move. I, I love my years there. And it, it took me under an hour to get there. So it was incredibly therapeutic <laughs> to, to just do the, the one journey. So I'm, I'm so grateful for, for Baz, who also died quite some years ago, the most stunning of flute players. And a really, really nice, nice gentleman. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A thoroughly, thoroughly love, lovely guy. Um, well, I'm going to throw the obvious one in, one that all flute players should be grateful for. It's Sir James, who took the flute into a different arena and really sort of made the flute popular. And to this day, he is still playing beautifully in his 80s. We are all in work because of Sir James Galway. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He made he made the flute in the 70s the most popular instrument, not just to classical musicians, but to all people. You know, he was he was top of the pops. He was top of the classical charts. He was, you know, the man with the golden flute. He was on television, on radio, playing principal flute with Berlin Phil, with the London Symphony Orchestra. The best soloist you'd ever heard in your life. Absolutely. It was phenomenal. You know, he was an absolute superstar and, and still is. Yeah. I'm the first, the first flute albums I ever bought was showpieces and magic flute. Yes. Yes. Me too. I was so lucky to be chosen for a week of classes at the Wigmore Hall, which you had to, with, with, with Sir Jimmy, and you had to send an application tape and then if you were lucky, you you were, you were selected to play. I think there were maybe 10 to 14 of us. I can't quite remember now. And um, I was the only English player to be selected. Everyone else from all over the world. It was, a, it was a great bunch of people. And we had classes every morning in the Wigmore Hall with Jimmy. And then in the afternoon, it was a, that was recorded for the radio. In the afternoon, it was the, our, our individual masterclasses we had were televised and in the evening Jimmy would play the pieces that we'd worked on during the day oh wow so um he must have I don't know how he did it his his uh had incredible stamina to teach all day and then do the recital at night but it was a very very exciting times and I was I was so so grateful to Jimmy because I remember he picked the pieces for each student so yeah um I remember I was actually at a Moyes course just before the Wigmore Hall course. So the Moyes course in, in, in Switzerland at Bosville, the famous place Bosville. And 
during that trip, we also, a group of us were invited to go and see Jimmy at his house. And we were talking about, our. I was talking to him about my application. He, he said how much he enjoyed it and how he'd picked Schubert's Arpeggioni Sonata for me to play on, on the, the course at the Wigmore Hall, which suited me down to the ground. Uh, it was just beautiful, romantic music, big, long phrasing, phrases. So it was, it was really good. Yeah, big, big shout out to Sir James Galway. That's why we're all here, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And for me, bringing us up to sort of the modern day, I'd obviously like to shout out to my parents who, when I was growing up and wanted to move on from that rusted little sideways blowing tube that I'd got out the music room cupboard. So it was it was hard in those days for them to afford musical instrument, but they did, and they managed to buy me my first flute. It was second hand, but it doesn't matter. And from that day, I've sort of carried on to to now. So yeah, I give my parents a big shout out, obviously. Absolutely, yeah, and me too. We we both had lots of support from us growing up with with our parents. But um, I'd like um, I've left the best till last, Jean Paul. No, go on. So. That- this is my last one. I think it's my last one. I was, years ago, I was at the, one of the massive uh, flute conventions in the States. And I wanted to upgrade my flute. And I'd been playing all the flutes. And I was very interested in playing a Miyazawa flute. I thought Miyazawa were the flutes to play. It was, they, they'd, the company had made tremendous steps in the development of their flutes. And it was the one. So I went to talk to the people on the stand of Miyazawa. And they said that I should go and speak to Trevor James of Trevor James Flutes, who was there at the convention, had a stand in the exhibition hall. And Trevor was the UK agent for Miyazawa. So I went to to meet with him. And after chat with him, he said, well, I'll be in touch with you when we get back to the UK. And he put me in touch with you, Mm. John Paul. and as a result of meeting up with you, I acquired a fabulous Miyazawa flute and some years later bought my platinum Miyazawa. And so that I'm I'm very thankful because you have, as long, along with TJ Flutes, been a great support over many, many years. You were instrumental, oh, excuse the pun, um, <laughs> in, me, in me writing Flute Reboot and in commissioning music for Kickstart Flute. And those two bodies of work are the ones I'm most proud of and have only come about because of, of TJ Flutes and because of you, John Paul. So many, many thanks. Oh my are word. you feeling a warm glow of satisfaction now? Oh, yeah, I'm getting quite embarrassed, actually. That embarrassed emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and and well, I wasn't expecting that one to be thrown in. Oh, Well, it's a very important part of my, the last... Of the last years, it's been, um, I can't remember how many years ago that was, do you? That was a long time ago. That was a long time we ago. A, we went for lunch at the pub. Yeah, yeah in Chipperfield. We went for lunch at the pub in Chipperfield. Yeah, I remember yeah. it. And I had bangers and mash, which was my favourite. Did I became, you? Yeah, before I became a vegetarian, that was my favourite, favourite food. Bangers and mash, sausages and mash. Uh, but it must be 20 years. Yeah, must be, must be. Yeah, I'm still. I'd have thought. I'm still red now. 
anyone watching this on, <laughs> on video will see oh <laughs> yeah so no that that's oh, so sweet thank you we are going actually going to be doing a podcast coming up with yourself and andy scott talking about this this wonderful project which is kickstarting the flute in other words if you played the flute in the in the past how you can sort of reboot your playing and how you it's never too late to start again and the, the project that you've done with videos and with music uh, we, are, we are going to do a dedicated podcast on that. We are because actually, Jean Paul, it's going to be—it's going to become a book now as well. Oh well. Wow. In fact, it's going to become three books because there's so much material it doesn't fit into one. So it's a beginner tutorial, beginner book, and it—it it is very—it's very different. And, and Andy said he's going to come and chat to us about it um, uh, and chat about the concept of it. So that's that's coming up. Um, quite soon, actually. Oh, wonderful. So that's something to look out for. Oh, and it's, it's a beginning book for all ages, all ages. It's not not just for kids. Oh, how wonderful. Um, and actually, I've just thought of one more person I have to thank, uh, Jean-Paul, which is Eleanor, my daughter Eleanor, because she had the idea of doing the Halloween podcast and the Thanksgiving podcast. Oh, did she? <laughs> She's in PR, so yeah. you know you'd expect. Yes, and I was would. saying, oh, what are we going to chat about? She said, well, Halloween, Thanksgiving. So I'm, I'm hoping that she's going to come up with some other really good ideas. But I think this is, it's, it's really good fun. Oh, it is. Celebrating I, Thanksgiving. Well, my last one is I'm going to be. I'm thankful for everybody I've met on social media, either virtually or in person. My young kids at the time got me involved in signing up to things such as Instagram, Twitter, Facebook before they were became popular, and uh, hence my I have their Twitter handle as at flute, which is you know the, the original at flute. And over the years, probably ten, twelve years, uh, the the friendship I've built up with people online. And also met them at conventions. And a lot of these have become sort of TJ Alto flute artists or have become personal friends. And I would like to give a shout out to everybody I've met and everybody that I speak to on social media. And the great thing is, is the flute playing community is we accept that we are all individuals. We're all unique. And you know, one day I'm, I am hoping that everyone will be will stop measuring themselves against other people and just be happy as themselves as musicians. So to all the flute players out there that I've ever had the privilege of meeting or the privilege of talking to either virtually or on the telephone or through letter, because in those days we used to send letters, Claire, I am grateful to each and every one of you because without you guys, I would have probably been in another industry. Well, that's that's a great way to end today's podcast, John Paul. It's just been great fun. It's been great fun thinking of of all the things that have happened to us over the years that we can be grateful for and thankful for. So that's it for today. You can always contact us at flutepodcasts at gmail.com and you can find us on our dedicated Facebook page, Talking Flutes, and using our various handles at flute for uh, Jean-Paul and at Claire flute for me on Twitter and Instagram. Have I missed anything out Jean-Paul? No, 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 no. You can find uh, on 
on Instagram, I'm at, at TJ Flutes. And you're at, at Claire Flute. Yep, Claire without an I. Yes, C-L-A-R-E. Yes. So it's been great fun, John Paul. Thank you so much. And look for talking to you again soon. Yes, wishing you a great day. I hope the weather picks up. And, you know, and to all our friends in America or whoever around the world that is celebrating Thanksgiving, we wish you a beautiful day. And, you know, there's not much, been that much to celebrate during the past year because of COVID. But, you know, one day we, this will pass and we will come back to what we hopefully will remember as normality. And so for everybody that's suffered during this past year, we send our thoughts to you and to everybody thank you and to claire i'd like to thank claire as well because without claire's input i wouldn't have changed my podcast channel from being my silly little thing to what talking flutes is now which is a seems to be a very successful podcast and um, i don't think we're that far short of two million streams in total so without claire's sensible input we would not be where we are now at 136 or 137 podcasts so a big shout out to claire thank you claire thanks john paul and thanks to all our listeners and we'll talk again soon bye for now take care bye Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.